Huh? Good deal. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 15, please. The Bible says, And in those days Peter stood in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of them, uh, number of the names together are about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must have been, must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that the field is called in their proper tongue, uh, Alec Demah, which is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John under the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And when they had prayed, uh, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show us whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression failed that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now in the verses that we have read, Acts 1 verses 15 through 26 for a text this morning, we understand that this immediately follows uh, our Lord's ascension back into heaven. We preached about that on last Sunday morning. Now the Word of God tells us that they went back to the upper room. There were 11 disciples, and then the women continued there. We know Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And the Word of God teaches us that there was about 120 men, uh, excuse me, 120 people that had gathered in that upper room. And they had what I call I guess the first business meeting of the church. Now, I'll be honest with you. I thank God for our church here, and I believe we all do everything above board. Uh, but there's some churches that are business meeting and committed to death. Adrian Rogers said a camel is a horse that was put together by a committee. You'll get that after a while. And I believe being above board and, and being, and we do that, we handle things through our men here at the church and, and, and we're honest about all of that. Uh, but some, they gotta have business over what color toilet paper we're gonna buy. Have a business meeting over that. Have a business meeting over this and that. What you're doing, you're asking for our church splits, what you're asking for. But in this text, they were having a needed business meeting in this text because they were twelve disciples when the Lord called them. But now there's only 11. We understand according to these verses. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. You may think, what in the world has this got to do with me? I'm going to make an application here in a moment. But let me lay my groundwork, all right? We know Judas is scary. We talked about it in Sunday school a little bit this morning. Judas was not a saved man. In fact, our Lord said in the book of John uh, that he said, the Bible said, uh, verse number 66 of John 6, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye go away also? 
Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he, it was he that should betray, being, betray him, being one of the twelve. Now, I said this in Sunday school, and I want to reiterate it again uh, for those that may not have been here, uh, but I do not believe that G- Judas was the incarnate seed of Satan. I believe that Judas was a man that was born just like you and I, uh, but he made a horrible decision. He opened up his heart. He opened up his life to the devil. And I'm going to tell you, you better be careful what doors you open. You might open a door, but you won't shut that door. Amen. And Judas opened up some avenues. He opened up some doors in his life. And he allowed the devil to take him where the devil wants to take all men to a place called hell. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2 wrote this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Here's what John said. He said, there were those that were among us. And I can't help but believe that he had Judas Iscariot in mind when he wrote that. He said, there were those that were among us, but they didn't stick with us. They were not of us. The disciples didn't understand this. In fact, I said it this morning, I, and I told you I preached half my message in Sunday school this morning, but that's all right. It let me know I was on the right track today. Amen. Uh, but Judas, uh, when the Lord said, one of you is going to betray me, all the disciples said, is it I? All of them except for John. John knew it wasn't him. But they even asked, Simon Peter asked John, said, ask him, who is it? None of them said it's Judas. None of them thought it was Judas. Judas had everybody fooled. And I'll say this morning, you may have everybody fooled, but you don't have God fooled. You might have your mama fooled. You might have your daddy fooled. You might have your husband or your wife fooled. You can even have this preacher fooled. That's not hard to do. But I'm telling you, you don't have God fooled. God knows what's behind your heart. I'm going to say this about Judas. Judas was not a man that wanted to be saved. Judas was not a man that struggled with doubting his salvation. Judas knew who he was. Judas knew he was the deceiver. Judas knew because when worship began to break out there in John chapter 12, he began to have a critical spirit. And he said, why was this not ointment sold and given to the poor? He was a deceiver. He was trying to deceive everybody. There's some people, uh, they hold on to a prayer, they hold on to a profession, but they've never met Jesus Christ. I like what one man said, repeating a prayer is not regeneration, that's incantation. Amen. We don't, we don't, it ain't the power of our words, it's the attitude of our heart. Because God's done something in our heart, we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. You know what we confess, why we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus? Because He's done something on the inside and we want to tell others about it. But Judas was not born again. Can you imagine how these disciples feel? They're probably sitting in that upper room thinking, man, why, did I, why didn't I see that? I mean, why, why did I not figure that out? I mean, he has betrayed not only the Lord Jesus, but he's betrayed the disciples because the disciples are now in fear. He's thinking, can you see? I, I know I would. I'd be looking and say, man, brother, how did we not know? The reason I know that is because I've sat in the car, sat at a table after, after hearing a man preach a meeting and find out a few weeks later he committed adultery or he was on dr- or he was a drinking or on drugs or something like that. And I wonder, how did I not know that? They were disgusted. They were disappointed. I mean, here's a guy that we labor together. We serve God together. Uh, we, we fell the multitudes together. Judas was on the boat the night that Jesus calmed the storm. 
disappointed. They were, they were also disillusioned. They couldn't figure it out. It didn't make sense. But I'm going to tell you what I like about these disciples. They were determined. You know what they were determined to do? Judas might have quit. Judas might have betrayed the Lord. Judas did not finish. But you know what they said? The work must go on. That's what I want to preach on this morning. The work must go on. That's what these men were doing. Uh, they were saddened about Judas. They were sad about the direction that Judas went. Uh, but they did not allow the, what Judas did uh, to stop them from serving Jesus. Now let's make the application to us. I know we don't have any Judas Iscariots necessarily in our life. But you ever went to church with somebody, served God with somebody, and you thought you'd served God with them, you thought you'd always go to church with them, and they're not even in church today. They betrayed the church. They betrayed the Lord, if you would. They're not serving God today. And you ever been a little disgusted? Man, we tried to help them. We tried. We tried to, ain't it amazing? Sometimes, not every time, but many times the people you help the most are the ones that will leave the quickest. They get mad the easiest. As a pastor, I've been disgusted thinking, man, I mean, we tried to help them. We tried to be a blessing to them. We tried to pray with them. We tried to help their kids, tried to help their family. And don't stick it out. Disgusted. I tell you, I've been disappointed. Boy, I never thought they would have done that. I never thought they'd be out of church. I never thought they'd quit. I never thought they would go that direction. I mean, here's what David said. He said, we, he said, it was not, I'm not my enemy, but it was thou, mine equal. He said, we took sweet counsel in the house of God. I, he's talking about, he was talking about, uh, uh, that, 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 his name slipped my mind, uh, now it was Bathsheba's grandfather, Hithophel. He's talking about Hithophel. We went to church together. We served God together. And then Hithophel betrayed David. You ever went to church with somebody and somebody in the church disappointed you? I mean, they might have been the one that got you in church. Got you in church. And you got disappointed. Some of you I know had a, had a pastor in years gone by that influenced your life, and now they're in adultery and fornication. Some of you have had people that's got you in church, and they're not even in church today. That disgusts you, disappoints you, disillusion. How do I not know that? I'm going to tell you what you better be and what I better be. We better be determined. Just because they quit, uh, just because they didn't finish the course for God, just because I got preacher friends that I love dearly that they're not preaching the Bible anymore, and they don't believe right anymore, and it breaks my heart. But I cannot let those men stop me from going forward. The work must go on. That don't mean I don't love those people anymore. That don't mean I don't pray for them anymore. But I cannot say, I can't go where they're at and, and, and try to be like, if I become like them, the works aren't going to get done. Hey, these disciples understood. It's sad what happened to Judas. We're not happy that happened. But here's what we got to do. The work must go on. Why must the work go on? Because they just left now all of it. And they heard the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. You go be witnesses. You go get filled with the Holy Ghost. You go preach the gospel. Yeah, we're sad Judas didn't finish. We're sad Judas didn't make it. But we've got to go on. We've got a job to do. Folks, there's been people that's been in this church and other churches you've been in they are not serving God today. But you know what? The work's got to go on. Quickly, let's notice five things in the text before we go to lunch. Number one, there's the sad reality. Verses 15 through 19. Unfortunately, people quitting on God, people getting out of church is a sad reality. Notice verse 15, just walk through the text, the responsibility of Peter. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the, of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. Watch this, somebody had to take the lead. Somebody, 
Our Lord is not there anymore. We're under the Lord led the disciples. Somebody had to step up. And let me say this in the church. I tell you, when people quit, and this, this might, point might be for me as a pastor, but the pastor's got to lead. The pastor's got to rally. And I know there's some churches where the pastor gets in failure and the pastor quits. And there needs to be some godly men that will stand up and say, hey, we've got to go forward. We've got to take that responsibility. The responsibility of Peter in verse 15. The recorded prophecy, verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. This is how we know Peter was not doing something wrong in this text because he immediately pointed the disciples back to the Word of God. You know what he reminded them? He reminded them. Watch what he says. This this scripture must needs have been fulfilled. You know what he's saying? This did not catch God by surprise. Now, God does not make... I know I'm not in a preaching gear, but this is in my heart this morning. You You know, God does not make men sin. God's not the author of sin. We believe that, right? Amen. Amen. We believe that. But sin don't catch him by surprise. Because he knows, the Bible talks about John chapter 2, for he knew what was in man. The scripture must be fulfilled. No, God did not make Judas do what he did, but he did know that Judas would betray Christ because, and I can explain that. I can't explain it, but I believe that God knows the end from the beginning. God does not uh, choose who will be saved and who will not be saved, uh, but he knows their choice. He don't make their choice for them, but he knows what choice they're going to make. So I said, preacher, I can't understand that. I can't either. That's because I'm not God. The recorded prophecy. We can find hope during these difficult times of apostasy and people quitting on God by resting in the fact that God knows what He is doing. The responsibility of Peter. The recorded prophecy. The respected position, verse 17. For he, speaking of Judas Iscariot, was numbered with us and had obtained part in this ministry, of this ministry. Judas was numbered with the twelve disciples. He was one of them. Peter said, he was one of us, guys. Boy, you hear that, you hear that tremble in Peter's voice, knowing that, wherefore let him that think if he stand, take heed lest he fall. He obtained part of this ministry. He was numbered. We are commanded by our Lord in Matthew 7 to beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing. For inwardly they are raving wolves. A wolf in sheep clothing means he killed a sheep somewhere. And he looks like us, but, he's, but deep down the inside, he's not real. Those are the same people that will stand before the Lord in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, now listen, listen to what they say, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That's preacher business. Have we not cast, and in thy name have not cast out devils? Did Judas do that? He prophesied in his name. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Judas done that. You know what Jesus is going to say to him? Now I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. These false prophets in Matthew 7, they were trusting in their works to get them to heaven. Because not one of them said they trusted the gospel. Not one of them said they trusted the Lord. You know, they said, well, we prophesied in your name. We preached. 
We cast out devils. We did all these miracles. We worked in the church. But that does not guarantee your salvation. Salvation is by grace, through faith, not of works, trusting Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You can be a member of a church and still die and go to hell. Or you can be a Baptist and still die and go to hell. You've got to be a part of the family of God. You've got to be born again. You've got to trust Jesus Christ. You've got to trust Jesus Christ. Notice the recounted process, verse 18. Now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Judas betrayed our Lord, and soon after betraying the Lord, I believe the devil left him. That's what the devil will do, by the way. Sin will do. Sin will get you to a point, and it will leave you. Judas is standing there. He realizes what he's done. He goes before the chief priest and he casts that 30 pieces of silver back and said, I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is it to us? The Bible said he went out and he hung himself. Now, let me say this, because this, somebody asked me this question this week and I want to—I answered them personally. I want to answer the congregation. It's really not in the message, but it is dealing with the topic of suicide. There's people that teach and believe that if a saved person commits suicide, they go to hell. That's not in that Bible. Samson, in Judges 16, when he pushed those tires, he literally, he was committing suicide. And Samson's in Hebrews 11. If you're saved and you die, you go to heaven. It don't matter by what means you go, by what means you die. But Judas did not die and go to hell because he committed suicide. Judas died and went to hell because he rejected Jesus Christ. And a lot of preachers preached that years ago. Respectfully, they were wrong. Respectfully, they were wrong. We either we believe once saved, always saved, or we don't. We can't pick and choose. Then notice the regrettable plight. Look at verse 19. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in the proper tongue, Akladamah, that is to say, the field of blood. The reason I called this the regrettable plight is because Judas's fall, Judas's apostasy, Judas's betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ was public to the community. I'm going to tell you what's a sad thing is when the church and their sins get public in the community. You remember that Corinthian church that Paul rebuked? He said, your sin is got out. It's commonly reported what you're doing. And I tell you, we're not perfect people here today because you don't have a perfect pastor. We sin, we have the flesh. But I'm telling you, there's a problem uh, when churches just let sin go on and they let adultery go on and fornication and drinking and immorality go on and they don't preach against it they don't do anything about it. And then that sin gets out in the community. That's a shame. And you know what happens? That church loses its testimony in that community. So there is the sad reality. Don't worry, the, first, the, the other point stands as long as the first point. There's a sad reality. But number two, notice the scriptural response. The reason, notice, notice the consideration of the scriptures. Look at verse number 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms. Thank God. What do you do when somebody breaks your heart in the church? Somebody disappoints you. Somebody disgusts you by what they do. How they go against everything you know that is right. What do you do? You do what Peter did. He went to the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, what do you do when you find yourself disappointed by others? You go to the book that's never disappointed you. You go to the one that's never disappointed you. And the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. They considered the Scriptures. 
not only the consideration of the Scriptures, but the command of the Scriptures. Let His habitation be desolate. And let no man dwell therein. And let, and let his, bishopric, and his bishopric let another take. Peter is quoting Psalm 69, 25 and Psalm 109, verse 8. He's saying the Word of God says we've got to go on. Are you hearing me this morning? I know this may not make no sense to n- n- nobody right now, but some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had somebody disappoint you in church, hurt you, disillusion you, dis- disappoint you. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to go back to the Word of God. And the work must go on. The sad reality, the scriptural response. Notice number three, the specific requirement. They've got to find his replacement. So there's requirements. We're just going to run through them quick. Y'all like this Bible preaching? It's going down. That's what I like. I just like seeing what it says. Here's the first requirement. He had to be in the right crowd. Verse 21. Wherefore, these men which have company with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Not anybody could fill that spot. It had to be somebody that was in their crowd. You know what that encourages me? Not everybody had backslid. Not everybody had betrayed. Peter said, hey, we still got a crowd with us, and we're going to get some, hey, man, we're going to get somebody from that crowd that's been with us from day one, amen. He was in the right crowd. He had to have a relationship with Christ. Verse 21, he said, have company with us all of the time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. You know what he said? He's got to be in the right crowd, but he's got to know Jesus, amen. And then he's got to have real consistency. Verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John under that same day that he was taken from us. If He said, you know what he's got to be? He's got to be a faithful man. And then he, the resurrection must be confirmed. Verse 20, 22, he must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. You know what that lets me know? Peter said, we've had one quit. We've had one quit. Oh, but we got a bunch of hat and quit. We've got some that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Uh, We've got some that haven't betrayed the body of Christ. We've got some that still believe right. I get discouraged by all the apostasy and all the compromise and all the foolishness I see. But you know how much I enjoy getting off that airplane in West Virginia this week and seeing my preacher friend that I ain't seen in three years and he's still standing right and he's still preaching right. And we just we got down there and the office just cried and prayed one another and thank God we're still in this thing together. Hey, friend, everybody hadn't quit. Everybody ain't dropped their standards. Everybody ain't giving up preaching the Word of God. Thank God there's still a crowd that's serving God. And I can spend all my time focusing on those that have quit and miss my brother who's still laboring in the firing line. I don't get to see my preacher friend that much, but I'm glad I can look down the line and know he's still firing right where he's always been. Amen. The specific requirements. Then notice number four, the sincere request. Notice the identified people, verse 23. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, whose surname was Justice, and Matthias. This doesn't mean there were only two men qualified. There were two men chosen out of that 120. You know what that tells me? You know what it tells me about these two men? We don't know a lot about them, but here's what we do know about them. They were in the right crowd. They had a relationship with Christ. They had real consistency. And they could confirm the resurrection. They knew he was alive. I believe they were in that 500 that saw the Lord at one time. They knew He was alive. Very possibly, Brother Richard, they could have been in the 70 that Jesus sent out in Luke 10. We don't know, but some Bible commentaries even lean to that. There's identified people. Their, their involvement in prayer, verse 24, 
And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show us whether these two Thou hast chosen. In this prayer, the disciples requested two things of the Lord. He said, Lord, we need discernment. He said, Lord, You know the hearts of all men. And they needed the Lord to make the decision. Show whether of these two Thou hast chosen. I thought about this. Since the Lord chose the original twelve, it's only right for Him to choose the next replacement. There's the important purpose, verse 24, or excuse me, verse 25, that He may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression, watch that word, He fell. That He might go to His own place. Now, we understand, and I'm not trying to be rude this morning, I'm not trying to be crude. We understand when Judas hung Himself, he hung in that tree so long till his boughs gushed out. We understand that. But I, I don't think when Peter said that he fell by transgression, I don't think he's talking about Peter falling out of that tree. I think he's talking about how he fell. He didn't fall from grace, but he fell. Take heed lest he fall. He fell. There's a sad reality, the scriptural response, the specific requirements the sincere request, and last of all, in our text, the spot was replaced. Verse 26, two things. Notice their choice. And they gave forth their lots. Don't let that lots bother you. It's just another term for how they voted. The Bible said in Proverbs 16:33, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Each man made a vote, but the Lord made the final decision. The choice, and then the conclusion. Verse 26, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now there are people, I am not one of them, but there are people that teach that the disciples were wrong in this text. They teach that the apostle Paul should have been the twelfth apostle. I disagree with that. Paul did not meet the qualifications of this text to be the twelfth apostle. He had not continued with them from the baptism of John. He had not yet confirmed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul's still killing people in this text. Somebody said, well, you don't see Matthias' name anymore. See, that's our mentality. We think if somebody's doing something for God, their name's mentioned. We just say, well, I, you don't see Matthias mentioned anymore. I don't mean anything. He's just laborly serving God, being faithful where he's at. Amen. Thank God for people that we may not know their name, but God knows who they are, and God knows what they're doing. And I believe when we get to heaven, great will be Matthias' reward. How would you like having to replace Judas? How would you like having that responsibility? But God never... You know what Matthias' name means? Oh, I love this. You know what his name means? It means gift of God. Here's this... Twelve, here's this will you let me call him a church? Will you let me call him a church? Here's this little church. And they've had one turn on them and hurt them real bad. Just literally stick a knife in their back and walk away. Betray their Lord. But you know what God did? God gave them a gift. God gave them a special blessing. And I'm telling you, and I, I'll try to be careful here, but we've been through things here at this church. There's been people that stabbed us in the back. and Not just me, but you. You've been hurt as well. I tell you, look around at the gifts that God has given us and the blessings and the fellowship God's given us. I see a lot of Matthias in this room this morning. Thank God for the church. In closing this morning, why was it so important for the disciples to conduct this business meeting and move on the work of the Lord? Why must we keep on keeping on? In closing, three final statements. First of all, 
there's a master we must serve. He's not done us wrong. He's not hurt us. He's not betrayed us. He's not made us disgusted or disappointed. He's been faithful, has He not? There's a master we must serve. There's a message we must share. They were commanded to go preach. Go preach the gospel to every creature. Because there are men that need to be saved. The work must go on. You know, you go out and talk to people, try to invite people to church. I'm done. You invite people to church. You go to church and where? No, I got hurt at church once. And I want to say, just once? Help me now. Just once? I preached the other week. Those people, at the end of the day, they can blame other people they want to. But at the end of the day, they don't. At the end of the day, they just don't love Jesus. Because if they love Jesus, they don't care what anybody else does. They, they love Jesus so much. Everybody else can walk out, but they're going to stay with Jesus because Jesus found them when nobody else wanted them. Jesus saved them. Jesus changed them. But I'm telling you, some of you have been hurt in church. You've had preachers disappoint you. You've had people you looked up to and respected go against everything they taught you by word and example and walk away and leave it. And it's just, anybody know what I'm talking about? How many had somebody disappoint you in church before? Hold your hand up. Don't be ashamed. We've all had that happen. But you know what you got to do? Work must go on. Get in the book. See how you're supposed to respond. You know why? There's a master that's worth serving. There's a message worth sharing. And there are multitudes that need to be saved. The work must go on. Let's stand. I appreciate your attention. I preached 29 minutes. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. Almost done. Almost done. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. God spoke to your heart this morning. You come. You might have been through.